do you help a child with special needs feel more comfortable in a world that isn't made for them? The dog did provide an enormous sense of companionship for them. And so this companionship and also the fact that the dog provided that sensory tactile input for the child also meant that outings were often less stressful and overwhelming. Today on Feed Play Love, we're delving into some new research about how assistance dogs are opening up the world for kids on the spectrum. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. If you have a child on the spectrum, you'll know that it can be difficult to get out and about. The world outside isn't really set up for their needs. It can be too bright, too loud, too full of people. Now research from the University of South Australia has found that assistance dogs can open up the world to both children on the spectrum and their families. Dr. Shelley Wright supervised the research, and she's also a qualified occupational therapist. Hi, Shelley. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. Are assistance dogs used much for children on the spectrum? Look, it's just becoming, you know, they're they're becoming used a little bit more now, but it is fairly, well, certainly in South Australia, it's a fairly new, you know, new occurrence, but... Yeah, and there's gradually becoming more studies about them too. So that's a sign that they're starting to be used a little bit more now. But I guess the issue is that they are expensive to train and so rolling them out in enough numbers really is what's difficult. What do the dogs actually do on a practical level for, for children on the spectrum? What the dogs are trained to do, they're actually trained to be, they're connected to the dog and the dog is trained to anchor when the child tries to run off or as, you know, parents with children on the spectrum often say, bolting is the the word that people use. So they're really trained to anchor if the child tries to bolt. I know that children with autism can have higher levels of anxiety. Does it have any part to play in sort of comforting a child and helping to regulate their anxiety levels? Absolutely. So, um, yes, although I said that they're trained to anchor, but yeah, like most sort of assistance dogs, they're also trained to be, you know, very comfortable around whoever their person's going to be. So in this case, they're trained to, you know, be comfortable around children, to allow children to be able to lie on them or them them to lie on children. So exactly that. So often children will, if they're getting anxious or overwhelmed by sensory input, then the dog might um, actually partly lie on them to give them that deep pressure, which tends to calm them down, or else the dog will be quite content to have the child, you know, for instance, twirling their hair or fiddling with their ears, much like people would use a fidget toy to really calm down that that anxious tension. I know that, you know, dogs have become a real big thing during the pandemic and the lockdowns. And I, I have heard of people buying certain breeds because they were told that they are good assistance dogs. Mm-hmm. But is there a certain certification that people should look for when it comes to assisting uh, dogs who who are trained that way? Um, well, it's always better to go through, I guess, a reputable organisation, you know. So 
I'm not sure how what the system is in every state, but certainly I do know in some states, for instance, guide dogs provide autism assistance dogs, and um, I'm sure that probably um, Assistance Dogs Australia, if they don't provide autism assistance dogs for children, would certainly know where to find organisations that provide dogs that have gone through the reputable training. I mean, certainly the dogs in our study were Labrador Retrievers, but yes, as as well as the breed, then the dog also needs to have that specialist training. Which from being a dog owner myself and not putting in the required training to make him a little bit more biddable, <laughs> I, can Im- I can imagine the kind of specialist training you're talking about there, particularly if it's something like playing with their ears or being comfortable with what could be quite a loud and boisterous child, that, that sounds like pretty intensive training. You mentioned earlier that that can make them quite expensive. Do you know roughly how much those kinds of dogs are worth? Oh, this is where um, I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, it is in the tens of thousands, I'm fairly sure, because there is a lot of training goes into the dog. And see, even when the family gets the dog, that's when the the training starts with the handler, who is one of the parents or caregivers. So, um, the you know, whatever organisation provides the dog generally then helps to train the handler. And so, yes, so the adult is the handler, not the child. And because of that, the dog usually doesn't go with the child to school. However, I do know in certain, in certain cases, the dog has gone with the child to school once the child gets a bit older and has become more involved with the dog and... Um, especially if the child has learnt to model some of the commands off the parent. So obviously that shows there's a certain amount of investment, time and money into a dog like this. From your study, what kind of impact can that kind of specialist assisted dog have on the life of the child? Okay, so what we found by doing interviews with families, so interviews with parents is that all of them felt a greater sense of safety because the child was connected to the dog and as I mentioned before the dog anchors when the child tries to run away so parents felt great relief because they felt their child was safe and that they didn't have to be uh, you know obviously they'd still have the child very close but they didn't have to be like almost on top of them all the time to be sure that they were not going to run off. So this then gave parents reported that it, their child had a greater sense of freedom because, you know, young children are often kept, often remain in a pram for longer periods of time when they have autism because it's a way to keep them safe. And so they found that children were kind of almost surprised that they were all of a sudden out of the pram and felt a much freer just being connected to the dog. This then, of course, gave families a greater sense of freedom because they could experience things together or go out and have experiences together that they hadn't had before. You know, families who listen, who have children on the spectrum, obviously would have gotten used to having to go to the zoo or cafes separately with other children in the family or, you know, so often it's very difficult to do things as a whole family. And yet, some of the families we spoke to spoke about being able to do things together 
finally, and then therefore not feeling as isolated as a family. And I imagine as well that for children on the autism spectrum, if they have struggled with social interactions, if they have found it difficult to have friends, that a dog can be a companion. I mean, that's how most of us think of dogs, right? As a pet, they are a a companion animal. Is that something that has an impact on children specifically? Absolutely, yes. That was one of the other key findings that, you know, because a lot of the children in our study had difficulty with communication, then often, you know, they mightn't have many friends. And so the dog did provide an enormous sense of companionship for them. And so this companionship and also the fact that the dog provided that sensory tactile input for the child also meant that outings were often less stressful and overwhelming. So if a child was becoming stressed or anxious when out at a cafe, for instance, where there's loud noises and all sorts of things going on, then being able to pat the dog or rub their ears or just stroke the dog was calming for the child. And and so, yeah, so, so going out not only was more easy for them, but then when they were out, it was much less stressful than before. I mean, just listening to this, it sounds like a no-brainer, but uh, I imagine for a lot of families, it would be financially prohibitive. Is there currently any sort of rebate on this, or do you think that this kind of research might encourage the government to invest more money in these kinds of programs where we're training dogs this way so it's easier for families to get this kind of um, animal in their life? Okay. Um, Well, all the families in our study were provided the dog by the organisation, but that was, they received the dog really pre-NDIS. So Mm. I think NDIS funding is another whole new, you know, factor in the equation really that, and I know that NDIS are very involved in providing, well, some funding for certain adults, but I'm, I'm not quite sure how that's changed in relation to children as yet. And I know this is just, it seems sort of the tip of the iceberg in a way, but do you see a lot of promise in sort of this, this avenue of, I suppose, animal therapy? I'm not sure what you'd call it for children on the spectrum. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, like, as you know, our study was just a small study seeking parent perspectives, but, you know, certainly everyone felt um, that the dog was beneficial. And, you know, there was certainly even, you know, one story. um, So I think I mentioned before that the dogs are trained in a uh, particular way for children with autism, but one of the dogs actually came and woke up parents one night and they they wondered what was happening and the and the child was actually having a seizure wow. now this dog this dog wasn't specifically trained as a seizure alert dog but um the dog obviously was intuitive enough and had been trained in other ways enough to to then make that and that was a really nice extra cream on the cake so to speak yeah absolutely mm, so so I do see it as very beneficial um, in terms of, yeah, really adding to the child's life and the family's life in terms of 
you know, feeling that inclusion into the community. And the families also found that the dog provided a level of, it's not the right word, but respectability. I guess from the family's perspective, they felt that because they often felt judgment from other parents or other people in the community if their child was having a meltdown. And so they felt that by having the assistance dog that had the, you know, the proper jacket that indicated this was an assistance dog, that it really kind of validated them a bit more and people tended to not show them the judgmental stares anymore, etc. So that was another nice benefit, I guess, from the study. Well, it sounds like it, it's a good thing and, and hopefully parents can get access to it. Shelley, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, no worries, Siobhan. That's Dr. Shelley Wright. She's a researcher and qualified occupational therapist at the University of South Australia. And if you'd like more information about the study and the work they did, just check out the links in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.